pray. Oh Lord God, as we come now to open Your Word, may we see that Your Word is truth. For You are the God of all truth. Father, give us understanding this day by Your Holy Spirit. And may we seek Your counsel in all things. May we not reject Your Word. And may we understand that one day we may suffer for the very word that we hear preached this morning. Bless the reading, hearing, and preaching of your word. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're able to remain standing, please remain standing and turn in your copies of God's word to 1 Kings chapter 22. Again, as we finish up 1 Kings this morning, we will continue on next Sunday, Lord willing, into 2 Kings. So, begin reading that if you have not already done so. But our text this morning, all of 1 Kings 22, we'll begin at verse 1, read to the end of the chapter here now, the Word of God. It is infallible, it is inerrant, it is God speaking to us. So let us pay close attention. For three years, Syria and Israel continued without war. But in the third year, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, came down to the king of Israel. And the king of Israel said to his servants, Do you know that Ramoth Gilead belongs to us? And we keep quiet and do not take it out of the hand of the king of Syria. And he said to Jehoshaphat, Will you go with me to battle at Ramoth Gilead? And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. And Jehoshaphat said to the king of Israel, inquire first for the word of the Lord. Then the king of Israel gathered the prophets together, about 400 men, and said to them, shall I go to battle against Ramoth Gilead or shall I refrain? And they said, go up, for the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here another prophet of the Lord of whom we may inquire? And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, There is one, yet one man by whom we may inquire of the Lord, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, but I hate him, for he never prophesies good concerning me, me but evil. And Jehoshaphat said, Let not the king say so. And the king of Israel summoned an officer and said, Bring Quickly, Micaiah, the son of Imlah. Then the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, were sitting on their thrones, arrayed in their robes at the threshing floor, at the entrance of the gates of Samaria. And all the prophets were prophesying before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Kenanah, made for himself horns of iron, and said, Thus says the Lord, With these you shall push the Syrians until they are destroyed. And all the prophets prophesied so and said, Go up to Ramoth Gilead and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. And the messengers went to summon Micaiah, said to him, Behold, the words of the prophets with one accord are favorable to the king. Let your word be like the word of one of them and speak favorably. But Micaiah said, As the Lord lives, what the Lord says to me, that's. I will speak. And we had come to the king. The king said to him, Micaiah, shall we go up to Ramoth Gilead? 
to battle or shall we refrain? And he answered him, go up and triumph. The Lord will give it into the hand of the king. But the king said to him, how many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And he said, I saw all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that have no shepherd. And the Lord said, these have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, did I not tell you that he would not prophesy good concerning me, but evil? And Micaiah said, therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on his throne and all the host of heaven standing beside him on his right hand and on his left. And the Lord said, who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth Gilead? And one said one thing and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord saying, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, by what means? And he said, I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of all of his prophets. And he said, you are to entice him and you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now, therefore, behold, the Lord has put a lying spirit in the mouth of all of these prophets. The Lord has declared disaster for you. Then Zedekiah, the son of Canada, came near and struck Micaiah on the cheek and said, How did the Spirit of the Lord go from me to speak to you? And Micaiah said, Behold, you shall see on that day when you go into an inner chamber to hide yourself. And the king of Israel said, Seize Micaiah and take him back to Ammon, the governor of the city, and to Joash, the king's son, and say, Thus says the king, Put this fellow in prison. And feed him meager rations of bread and water until I come in peace. And Micaiah said, if you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. And he said, hear all you peoples. So the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, went up to Ramoth Gilead. And the king of Israel said to Jehoshaphat, I will disguise myself and go into battle. But you wear your robes. And the king of Israel disguised himself and went into battle. Now the king of Syria had commanded the 32 captains of his chariots, fight with neither small nor great, but only with the king of Israel. When the captains of the chariot saw Jehoshaphat, they said, It is surely the king of Israel. So they turned to fight against him. And Jehoshaphat cried out, and when the captains of the chariot saw that it was not the king of of Israel, they turned back from pursuing him. But a certain man drew his bow at random and struck the king of Israel between the scale armor and the breastplate. Therefore he said to the driver of his chariot, Turn around and carry me out of the battle, for I am wounded. And the battle continued that day, and the king was propped up in his chariot, facing the Syrians until at evening he died. And the blood of the wound flowed into the bottom of the chariot. And about sunset, a cry went through the army, every man to his city and every man to his country. So the king died and was brought to Samaria. And they buried the king in Samaria and they washed the chariot by the pool of Samaria. And the dogs licked up his blood and the prostitutes washed themselves in it, according to the word of the Lord that he had spoken. 
and the rest of the acts of Ahab and all that he did and the ivory house that he, had, that he built and all the cities that he built, are they not written in the book of the Chronicles of the kings of Israel? So Ahab slept with his fathers and Ahaziah, his son, reigned in his place. Jehoshaphat, the son of Asa, began to reign over Judah in the fourth year of Ahab, king of Israel. Jehoshaphat was 35 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 25 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Azubah, the daughter of Shilhai. He walked in all the way of Asa, his father. He did not turn aside from it, doing what was right in the sight of the Lord. Yet the high places were not taken away. And the people still sacrificed and made offerings on the high places. Jehoshaphat also made peace with the king of Israel. Now the rest of the acts of Jehoshaphat and his might that he showed and how he warred, are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Judah? And from the land he exterminated the remnant of the male cult prostitutes who remained in the days of his father Asa. There was no king in Edom. A deputy was king. Jehoshaphat made ships of Tarshish to go to Ophir for gold, but they did not go, for the ships were wrecked at Izion Geber. Then Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, said to Jehoshaphat, Let my servants go with your servants in the ships. But Jehoshaphat was not willing. And Jehoshaphat slept with his father, fathers and was buried with his fathers in the city of David his father. And Jehoram his son reigned in his place. Ahaziah the son of Ahab began to reign over Israel and Samaria in the seventeenth year of Jehoshaphat king of Judah. And he reigned two years over Israel. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord and walked in the way of his father and in the way of his mother and in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who made Israel to sin. He served Baal and worshipped him and provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger in every way that his father had done. The grass withers and the flower fades away, but the word of our God endures forever. You may be seated. Two Lord's Day mornings ago, we were in chapter 21 and we saw Ahab wanting to buy Naboth's vineyard. He made a very compelling offer, but Naboth would not sell it because it was not his to sell. The land belonged to God. Ahab went home and he sought and he pouted like a child and Jezebel, his Wife, the queen saw that and asked him what, what was wrong. And he lied to her concerning what Naboth had told him. And therefore she devised a plan to murder Naboth so that Ahab would have that vineyard. And so Naboth was murdered. And as Ahab was touring his new land, Elijah the prophet came and condemned the king. But in that we saw, and it surprised all of us, that Ahab finally repented. And God noticed his repentance and was merciful to him. God had promised what would happen to Ahab. He would die and the dogs would lick the blood, his blood off the streets. And he also promised Ahab that his family would be destroyed. But because 
He repented and God was merciful to him. He said that that would happen after Ahab was dead. And so as we finish up with 1 Kings this morning, we are, are reminded of something that we have been reminded of throughout this book, throughout First and Second Samuel, and it's simply this, that God's Word is truth. Now there are many today who doubt that. There are many today, even churches that no longer believe the Word of God is truth. But we will see this morning that God keeps His Word. God keeps His Word concerning Ahab. Now the mercy of God continued for Ahab for three years. As we learn in verse 1, there was no war between Syria and Israel for three years. But now we see war is coming. A battle between Israel and Syria will take place. And in that battle... Ahab will die, and all that God said concerning the king will come to pass. And so there are three things I want us to notice here this morning. And the first is this, seeking God's counsel. We hear of another king this morning, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah. He comes to meet with Ahab for a, a summit. And as he comes for that meeting, we, we learn that these two kings, even though they are quite different, they are allies. Ahab and, and Jehoshaphat, they, they are allied together. And, and so Ahab, as Jehoshaphat is there, brings up the fact that Ramoth Gilead had not yet been given back to him. Ben Hadad, the king of Syria, remember a few chapters ago when Ahab spared his life. And he agreed to give back all the cities that he had taken. Well, he had not kept his word. And so Ahab inquires whether or not to go and to battle at Ramoth Gilead. And he asked Jehoshaphat if he would go with him. And Jehoshaphat, yes, I will go with you. But before, Jehoshaphat wanted to inquire of God. He was not impressed with the 400 prophets of Ahab. We read in verse 5 that Jehoshaphat said, Inquire first for the, uh, for the word of the Lord. And then Ahab brings out 400 prophets. And they, he asks the question, Shall we go up? And they all say, Go up. For the Lord will give you the victory. Now, Jehoshaphat knew that that was not what God said. He, he wanted to know from a true prophet of the Lord. Now, this was Jehoshaphat's usual practice. Whenever he found himself at, at his wit's end, he would seek the wisdom of God. Later in Second Kings, we will hear and see Jehoshaphat doing the same thing that he's doing here, as he is about to go into battle with King Joram of Israel to fight Moab, he, he asked this, Is there not a prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? In 2 Kings 3 and verse 11. Now why would Jehoshaphat do that? Because he was a good and godly king. 
And this is the testimony of Scripture. If you look at verses 41 through 50, we hear of God's testimony of Jehoshaphat. That he was a good king. That he was a, a godly king. That he came to reign over Judah in the fourth year of Ahab. He was 35 years old and he reigned for 25 years. And he did what was right in the sight of the Lord, but he was not perfect. There's only one perfect king, and that is Christ. He did not take the high places away. Idolatry continued in Judah, not to the degree as it was found in Israel, but he also made peace with the king of Israel. He made peace with Ahab, that wicked king. Now, he did something else well. He exterminated the remnant of the male cult prostitutes. He killed them. He put them to death. He ridded the land of that, of them. And then when we hear of Ahaziah, the son of Ahab, wanting to go into business with him, he would not do so. And so Jehoshaphat was a, a good and godly king. Why? Simply put, he sought the counsel of God. And then the second thing we see is rejecting God's word. And we go back to Ahab as, as Jehoshaphat wanted to know if there was a, a, a true prophet of God to come and to give them his will. We see the heart of Ahab in verse 8. There's one. He goes by the name of Micaiah, but I don't like him because he never prophesies anything good about me. He only prophesies evil concerning me. And what was Ahab's heart? Well, he refused to hear the word of God. Why? Because he hated God's prophet. He did not want to hear what the true prophet of God had to say. He was more interested in proving that he was right than actually doing what was right as we learn in verse 9. He summons an officer. Bring quickly Micaiah the son of, of Imlah. Now skip down to verse 15. Micaiah, he, he comes and he, he speaks with sarcasm. Now here's this prophet, he comes into the throne room, two kings sitting there, 400 prophets surrounding them, and here is the prophet of God, and he's been given a task. Should they go up, tell them the word of God. And so he says in verse 15, go up. And the Lord will give it into the hand of the king. Ahab knew that that was not correct. It could not be the real message. So he, he asked, How many times shall I make you swear that you speak to me nothing but the truth in the name of the Lord? And so Micaiah then gives the truth of God to Ahab. He says, I saw all, the, all Israel scattered on the mountains as sheep that had no shepherd. And the Lord said, These have no master. Let each return to his home in peace. 
the shepherd of Israel is going to die. Ahab will not have success no matter what the 400 prophets he brought in said. And, and so Ahab says, you see, I was right. He only prophesies that which is evil concerning me. Now as Micaiah prophesied this evil against Ahab, he, he did so because God had something bad to say about Ahab. Look at verse 22. Oh, oh, before that, verse 19, And Micaiah said, Therefore hear the word of the Lord. I saw the Lord sitting on His throne and all the host of heaven standing beside Him on His right and on His left. And the Lord said, Who will entice Ahab that he may go up and fall at Ramoth-Gilead? And one said one thing and another said another. Then a spirit came forward and stood before the Lord and said, I will entice him. And the Lord said to him, By what means? And he said, I will go out and will be a lying spirit in the mouth of his prophets. And he said, You are to entice him. And you shall succeed. Go out and do so. Now we'll come back to these verses in a moment. But, but we see here that God is not the author of deceit. But He is sovereign over the false prophets. And He will use those false prophets to bring His word to pass. And so as Ahab hears all of this, what does he do? He has Micaiah thrown into prison. But Micaiah said to the king, if you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. Hear all you peoples. And so what happened? Ahab dies in battle. Now, I don't know if you noticed, but as we, as we see the battle beginning, did you notice what Ahab did? He, he said to Josaphat, I want you to wear the kingly robes and I'm going to disguise myself. Now, why would he say that? Because in his mind, he's, he knows that what Micaiah says is true and he knows what's going to happen. But he's going to try and hide himself so that maybe, just maybe, God's Word will not come to pass. The plan worked for a moment. They saw Jehoshaphat in the, in, in the kingly garb. They, they, the, the king uh, of Syria had said that, that he only wanted Ahab. Pursue the king of Israel. And so they see this, this man in kingly garb and they go after him. They fight. And Jehoshaphat cries out. There must have been something in that cry and they knew that this was not the man they were looking for. And so they go and they turn back from pursuing him. And then all of a sudden, in verse 34, a man draws his bow at random and he fires it and it flies through the air and it strikes who? It strikes Ahab. Now we read that the bow was drawn at random and release. But this was done according to divine providence. And the arrow of divine judgment found its mark. 
God said that Ahab's life would be given for Ben-Hadad's life because he spared the king who came and fought against God and against Israel. And now God's word is proven true. Ahab watches that battle until the evening and in the evening he dies. And what do we find? We find the word of God coming true again as as Ahab is brought to Samaria And they washed the chariot by the pool and the dogs licked up the blood of the king and the prostitutes washed themselves in it according to what? According to the word of the Lord. And just as Micaiah prophesied, the sheep of Israel were left without a shepherd. Now, would things get better in Israel? No, they do not. At the end of our text, we, we have mentioned for us Ahaziah, the, the son of Ahab, and he reigned over Israel in the 17th year of Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, and he reigned two years. And he learned nothing from his father except how to do evil. He did what was evil in the sight of the Lord. He walked in the way of Ahab and and of Jezebel. And he continued to make Israel to sin. He continued to worship Baal and the false gods. And this provoked the Lord, the God of Israel, to anger in every way that his father had done. And so the lesson for us is this. Do not reject The Word of God. Do not resist the will of God. As one commentator said concerning Ahab, ultimately he is judged as a man who heard from God, yet did not act on the revelation he received. Then third, and and finally, we, we see how the prophet Micaiah suffered for God's Word. Now, when Micaiah heard the word of God, what did he do? He believed it and he obeyed it. Again, when he was brought into the court, what a great spectacle it was. Two kings sitting on their thrones, 400 prophets surrounding him. And if you look back at verse 11, somebody said, oh, by the way, these 400 prophets have already prophesied in favor of the king. So you need to do the same thing. You need to be very careful. With your words. What were these false prophets doing? They were flattering Ahab. They were giving to Ahab what he wanted to hear. Go up to Ramoth Gilead and you will have success. Now there's one false prophet in particular. We hear of him in verse 11, Zedekiah, the son of Kananah. And he had a visual aid. He had horns of iron. He said, thus says the Lord, with these you shall push the Syrians until they are destroyed. But the prophet of God, he was not intimidated. And he was not impressed. God had given him a word and he speaks it Faithfully, And that word is what he saw in the throne room of heaven. You see, he was not overwhelmed by Ahab. He was not overwhelmed by the court because he had already been in the presence of the king. In the presence of God. 
He beheld the majestic splendor of Almighty God and he had a personal audience with the Most High God. And what did he see in that throne room? He saw something that is strange for us for we have never witnessed such a wonder. As we have already seen, we have God sitting there on His throne room. And He asked, who will entice Ahab? And a spirit, a lying spirit comes. says, I will do it. I will put a lying spirit in the mouth of all of these, your prophets. The Lord has put that lying spirit in the mouth of all of these, your prophets. The Lord has declared disaster. For you. Now what happened? Well, he suffered, didn't he? Immediately, Zedekiah strikes him on the cheek, mocks him, who said, the Spirit of the Lord went out from me to you. And Ahab put him into prison to feed him bread and water. But Micaiah would not relent. And again, he said to the king, if you return in peace, the Lord has not spoken by me. God's word always proves to be true. And so what application can we make? Well, first of all, we are called to seek God's counsel every day in our lives. Every day we will face a choice, whether we will believe and obey God's word or whether or not we will seek our own way. It happens every day. Will we seek the way of God or will we seek our own way? Will we seek the wisdom of God or will we seek our own so-called wisdom? You see, the difference between Jehoshaphat and Ahab is that Jehoshaphat always sought the will of the Lord. Ahab sought his own way. And Ahab died because he rejected God's word. Rejecting the Word of God leads to death. Rejecting the Word of God. In in the fact that we are rejecting the Word of God, we are actually rejecting Jesus. For He is the Logos of God. Over this past month, we have seen God's Word rejected time and time and time again. It was a month of pride. But pride goes before what? A downfall. And those who are celebrating such, what are they doing? They are rejecting the Word of God. They are rejecting what God has said so clearly in His Word. They are rejecting Christ Himself. But then second of all, we need to understand that faithful Christians and faithful ministers will suffer for God's truth. For faithfully proclaiming God's truth. You know, we are now in a post postmodern society, whatever that means. Postmodernism was bad enough. Now we're beyond that, and we are in a completely secular society. Humanism, secularism rules the day at every level of government and every aspect of life. And for those Christians who faithfully proclaim the Word of God, what is going to happen? There is going to be pushback and opposition. 
And so Micaiah gives us a clear glimpse of that persecution and pushback that will come. But he also gives us a glimpse of the salvation that God has provided for us in Jesus. Now was Micaiah the first prophet to suffer? Will he be the the last prophet to suffer? No. The sufferings of the Old Testament prophets always teach us something about the sufferings of that great prophet, Jesus. Just like Micaiah, Jesus was opposed by the false prophets of Israel. Just like Micaiah, Jesus was accused of being a false prophet and then falsely imprisoned. Just like Micaiah, Jesus was slapped across His face. Jesus was abused. He was mocked for His ability to prophesy. And what do we see with our Lord? Well, we see that our Lord did not retaliate. He did not defend His ministry. Why? Because it had to be that way. Because he had a greater work to do, and that was to die on the cross for the sins of his people. You see, all that Jesus suffered in being mocked, and being blasphemed, and being slapped, and being whipped upon his back, everything that he suffered, the disgrace, everything he went through was so that we would have salvation. So that we who mocked the Lord ourselves would know of that salvation He has wrought for us in His life, death, and resurrection. You see, Jesus is the ultimate example of one who is willing to suffer for God's truth. And He did that so that He could accomplish the salvation of His people by dying on the cross. For their sins. And you see that's what we are reminded of this morning. As we come to this table. The sufferings of our Lord. The fact that His body was given for us. That His blood was shed. So that sinners like ourselves. Could have mercy. And find the mercy of God. As we repent of our sins. And turn to Jesus in faith. And so have you done that? Do you see and recognize your sin this morning and your need of a Savior? You cannot save yourself. Oh, you think you can. You think that you're good enough, but you're not. God requires perfection of each one of us to enter into heaven. Perfection that we cannot give, but perfection that Jesus gave on behalf of all who would come to Him in faith. And so come to Christ this morning. Turn from your sins, turn from your idolatry, turn from your unbelief, and and find that salvation is offered solely and only through Jesus. For those of us who already know the sweetness of that salvation, as we come to the table, may we recognize what Jesus suffered is what we should suffer. That He suffered all that He went through and suffered in His life and His death so that we would not have to suffer for a moment the wrath of God. 
And so let us come thankful. Let us come praising the Savior, not only today, but forever. For through Christ, through His mockery, through His abuse, through the fact that He was put to shame to save shameful people. Sinners such as you and I. May God add His blessing to the reading, hearing, and preaching of His Word. Let us pray. Lord, we thank You this morning that Your Word is truth. That whatever You say comes to pass. No, God, we thank You for the truth of the Gospel. And as we have heard that truth proclaimed, now we come and we see it in picture form in the Lord's Supper. O oh Lord, may all who come to this table do so today in faith. Do so trusting solely in Jesus. No oh God, if there are any here this morning that at this moment in time they do not know You, they do not know Christ. Lord, change them. Change their heart. Give them a heart by which they can cry out unto Christ. And by Your Spirit, draw them to Jesus for their salvation. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.